For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject the blood covenant this is part one of the series and the first thing that we're going to do in this teaching is to share with you a very important principle and that is that god the father is in covenant relationship with yeshua so let's see how this is so to begin with we're going to look at john chapter 10 verse 38 as it is written that you may know and believe that the father is in me and i in him yeshua further showed how he is in covenant with the father from john chapter 14 verse 10 and verse 11 as it is written believe thou not that i am in the father and the father in me believe that i am in the father and the father is in me so this phrase in someone else communicates a relationship between them and in the case of the father in yeshua it is a covenant relationship and so ultimately given that god the father is in covenant relationship with yeshua whenever we accept yeshua as the messiah we enter into covenant with yeshua and thus we are in partnership with the father as well we can see this from yeshua's prayer in john chapter 17 verse 21 as it is written that they all may be one as you father are in me and i in you that they may be one in us so given that the father is in covenant with yeshua not only do they have a covenant relationship with each other but in proclaiming that yeshua is one with the father he is likewise saying that he is God. And we can see this from John chapter 5 verse 18. As Yeshua is having a conversation with the Jews, and they clearly understand that Yeshua was communicating to them that he is God. So in John chapter 5 verse 18, it is written, Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he said also that God was his father making himself equal with God. And then Yeshua said in John chapter 10 verse 30, I and my father are one. So in this covenant relationship that the father has with Yeshua, the father originates all things. And because of the covenant relationship that Yeshua has with the father, he carries out the will of the father. And in this covenant relationship that Yeshua has with his father, the father has decreed or appointed Yeshua to be the king over his kingdom and to be an heir of his kingdom. 
But in order for Yeshua to inherit the kingdom of his father, he has to be tested by his father and shown to be faithful over his kingdom. So Yeshua said in John chapter 3 verse 35, The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. So Yeshua in this covenant relationship is made a steward over his father's kingdom. And in doing so, the father has appointed or made Yeshua the heir of his kingdom. We can see this from Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 as it is written. God has in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things. So Yeshua is referred to as the son of his father. So his title as son is communicating to us in human terms the relationship between them. That the father is higher in authority than the son, yet the son is one with his father, and the father is Yahweh, and the son is Yahweh. And so the title or the term son not only indicates a relationship between the two, but it is something that a father says to his son when the father is pleased of the things and the behaviors of his son, as the title refers to the son showing himself faithful to his father, and in being a faithful son, the father has made him heir over his kingdom. So now we're going to see that the term son refers to being an heir of his father. In Matthew chapter 21 verse 38 it is written, And when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. And then Paul writes in Galatians chapter 4 verse 7, And if a son, then an heir of God. So Yeshua is in covenant relationship with his father. And in the relationship with his father, Yeshua has the title of being his son. And while Yeshua is the son of his father, meaning that he's faithful in doing the will of his father, that's the meaning of the term son, it communicates and represents covenant faithfulness. Yeshua, the Son of God, is also God. We can see this from Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5 and verse 8, it is written. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But unto the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. So Yeshua is not only in covenant relationship with his Father, and in the relationship, he has the title of son, meaning that he's faithful to do the will of his father. He's not only one with his father, which means that he's also God, but Yeshua is also the father's anointed one, or he is the Messiah. In John chapter 6, verse 69, it is written, And we believe and are sure that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. In John chapter 20, verse 31, it is written, But these things are written that you might believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, the Son of God. When we believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, when we repent of our sins and receive Yeshua's shed blood on the tree for the forgiveness of our sins, by making him Savior and Lord of our lives, we enter into covenant relationship with Yeshua. And because Yeshua is in covenant relationship with his Father, we and Yeshua are now partners of their covenant relationship. And as a result, we become a unity with the Father and Yeshua in the covenant. Galatians chapter 3 verse 26 it is written, For you are all children of God by faith in Messiah Yeshua. 
In 1 John chapter 4, verse 15, it is written, Whosoever shall confess that Yeshua is the Son of God, God dwells in him, and he dwells in God. So God the Father dwells in me, and I am in the Father, when and through confessing that Yeshua is the Messiah and the Son of God. We can also see this in John chapter 14, verse 20, as it is written, At that day you shall know that I am in the Father, you and me, and I in you. So in 1 John chapter 4, verse 15, we can see that the Father dwells in us, and we dwell in the Father through faith in Yeshua. But in John chapter 14, verse 20, it says that Yeshua dwells in us, and we dwell in Yeshua. So from these things, we see a clear covenant relationship that we have with the Father and with the Son. But we are only a part of that covenant relationship through the Son. So in John chapter 17, verse 21, it is written, That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, they also may be one in us. So because the Father is in covenant relationship with Yeshua, to honor the Son is honoring the Father. In John chapter 5, verse 23, Yeshua said, He that honors not the Son honors not the Father which has sent him. Then in John chapter 12, verse 26, it is written, If any man serve me, let him follow me. And if any man serves me, him will my Father honor. So the Father honors us through Yeshua. And we honor the Father through Yeshua. Next, we're going to see that in the Father's plan in creating his kingdom, the universe, and this world, that Yeshua is designated by his Father and seen by his Father as being slain on behalf of his kingdom from the foundation of the world. We can see this in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, as it is written, referring to Yeshua, that he's the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So, because the Father is in covenant relationship with Yeshua, one of the requirements of this covenant relationship is to lay down your life for the benefit of another. And this is why Yeshua said in John chapter 10 verse 17, Therefore does my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it up again. So next we're going to see that Paul wrote and explained to us that God the Father was in Yeshua, who's the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, and this is how God the Father was going to reconcile the world, knowing that in creating man, that man would fall in sin and rebel from the Father. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, it is written, To wit that God was in Christ. So now we see that the Father is in the Son, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing, which means to count against, their trespasses or their sins unto them. Next, we're going to see from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, that we were chosen in Yeshua before the foundation of the world. So in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it is written, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua Messiah, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him. So the Father has chosen us in Yeshua before the foundation of the world. So the Lamb was slain before the foundation the world, and the Father chose us in Messiah before the foundation of the world. So God the Father made human beings with free will. And so when God the Father made his plan for his kingdom in the creation, 
He willed that Yeshua would be over his kingdom. And because the father wanted a family, he brought about mankind. And in order that mankind would freely love the father in Yeshua, he gave mankind free will. So in the father's will, he purposed the function of Yeshua as it relates to being a steward of his kingdom. In other words, the father defined and made an agreement with Yeshua regarding Yeshua's function and task over his father's kingdom. So the father is going to designate Yeshua as the king over his kingdom. The father is going to designate Yeshua as the Melchizedek priest over his kingdom. And from the son showing covenantal faithfulness, that is being willing to lay down his life for the sins of mankind, given that the father knew that mankind would end up sinning, the father in making his plan designated that he would have a people. And the name of this people would be Israel. So the father chose a people that was going to be called Israel, but he gave his creation free will. So then when mankind chooses a relationship with the father through the redemptive work of Yeshua, the people that choose Yeshua as the Messiah, they then become a part of the people that are in Yeshua, that the father designated that he would have a people from the foundation of the world. So in order for us to enter into the Father's plan, we do so by choice. And before the foundation of the world, the Father determined His plan. So the Father's plan is predetermined. Whether we become a part of His plan is our choice. So that's how we understand Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, that He's chosen us in Yeshua before the foundation of the world. So in the Father's plan, He was going to have a kingdom. He was going to create a people. He was going to give them free choice, but in the Father's plan, those that choose the Father through the redemptive work of the Son, the Father designated that they would inherit His kingdom with the Son. This is why Yeshua spoke these words in Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So we can see that Yeshua, the Lamb of God, was slain from the foundation of the world in the plan of God. That he was going to have a people from the foundation of the world that would be a part of his kingdom is the plan of God. And he's going to have a people that's going to inherit that kingdom. But how do you inherit the Father's kingdom? Only through choosing the Father, his kingdom, in the terms that the Father gave regarding his kingdom. And that is receiving Yeshua and his redemptive work. And by showing covenant faithfulness to the Father and to the Son and to his kingdom, that is how the Father is going to give inheritance. So faithful servants of the kingdom of God become joint heirs with Yeshua in the covenant plan of the Father. In Romans chapter 8 verses 14 and verse 17 it is written, For as many as they are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Messiah. So whenever we choose the Father and desire to be a part of his kingdom, In the terms of being a part of his kingdom is that you have to receive his son. In the redemptive work that the son does to bring people into his father's kingdom, which is dying on the tree for the forgiveness of mankind's sins, 
And once we have forgiveness of sins and we live our lives in faithfulness to Yeshua and to the Father's kingdom, we are designated to be faithful sons. And as a result, we inherit all things through our choices and by being an overcomer. So this is why it says in Revelation chapter 21 verse 7, He that overcomes shall inherit all things. And then you join the covenant relationship. I will be his God and he shall be my son. So now that we've established that God the Father is in covenant relationship with Yeshua and by receiving Yeshua and making Savior and Lord of our lives by repenting of our sins and receiving his shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins, we enter into covenant relationship with Yeshua and because Yeshua is in covenant relationship with his Father, we now are a part of and we are in covenant relationship with both the Father and the Son, because they are in covenant relationship with each other. Next, we want to study in further detail, what is biblical covenant? In Psalm 105, verse 8, it is written, He has remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. So this word covenant is the Strong's number 1285 in the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary. It's the Hebrew word berit. And Breit means a covenant, an alliance, a pledge. And it comes from the Strong's number 1262. So the Hebrew word Breit comes from the Strong's number 1262, which is the Hebrew word bara. And the Hebrew word bara means to eat. So from this, we can see that a biblical covenant is associated with eating. In 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 35, it is written, And when all the people came to cause David to eat, barah, bread, while it was yet day, David swore, saying. So you can see here in this verse that David eating is associated with him making a vow or a covenant. So back to Psalm 105, verse 8, where it says he's remembered his covenant. Once again, the Hebrew word is brit. Next, I'm going to share with you what the Jacinius Hebrew Chaudi lexicon explains about the Hebrew word brit or covenant. That brit or covenant is an eating together, and it's associated with a banquet from the Hebrew word barah, since among Orientals or Eastern peoples, to eat together is almost the same as to make a covenant of friendship. So covenant is associated in the Bible with eating. Next, we're going to cover for you further details regarding a blood covenant and show for you the different elements and aspects of a blood covenant. And it consists of the following. Number one, it is a mutual and binding agreement between two parties for life unto death with clearly defined parameters and terms. Number two, it's a relationship that will require blood to be shed to reinforce the solemnity and seriousness of that bond or agreement or relationship. Number three, it's an oath that is made to affirm the eternal aspect of the agreement, binding oneself to the fulfillment of its terms. Number four, it is an expression of love and trust intending to complement the strengths and weaknesses of each party. Number five, after the covenant is made, there is a test of faithfulness to demonstrate loyalty to the covenant. So with these things being component parts of a blood covenant, we can now come up with a definition of a blood covenant. And it is as follows. A blood covenant is a binding, unbreakable obligation between two parties based upon unconditional love, 
sealed by blood, that contains a sacred oath that creates an eternal relationship in which each party is bound by specific terms agreed upon between them, containing promises, blessings, and curses that is valid or continues until death. So next I'm going to share with you an outline of the various component parts of a blood covenant. And the items in this outline is what we're going to cover extensively in the rest of this teaching when we share with you various examples of blood covenant in the Bible. So its component parts consist of the following. Number one, a representative of the covenant is chosen. Number two, there is an exchange of garments. And symbolically, this can be robes, belts, weapons, names, and sons. Number three, the terms of the covenant are given, and they will consist of blessings, promises, and curses. Number four, there is the cutting of the covenant. And the cutting of the covenant is the covenant sacrifice. Number five, once you have the cutting of the covenant, you're going to have a covenant walk, or you're going to have what is called the walk of blood. Number six, there is a covenant seal. It usually involved raising your right arm and mixing blood, or it can be a scar or some other symbol. Number seven, the covenant oath is made. Number eight, there is a covenant meal. Number nine, there is a recognized memorial place or a sign showing where a covenant was made. Number ten, once the covenant is made and agreed upon by both parties, there's a future test of faithfulness to the terms of the covenant. So now let's go over in greater detail these component parts. First, the covenant representative is chosen. The representative is the agent empowered to speak or act on behalf of the party to the covenant. He can represent a family, a tribe, or a nation. The representative had to be of the same blood and family as those he represented. He's the one that guarantees the terms of the covenant. The party that he represents is said to be in him. In other words, it was understood that what the representative symbolically does or what happens to him is seen as happening to me as well. Number two, the exchange of garments. The main things exchanged were robes, belts, weapons, names, and sons. Robes represented an exchange of identity and authority. Belts represented an exchange of strength. Weapons represented an exchange of enemies. In other words, your enemy now becomes my enemy. Names represented a covenant partnership. Sons represented an investment in the life of the other party. So next we're going to see an example of an exchange of garments in the scriptures. In 1 Samuel chapter 18 verses 3 and 4 it is written, Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even his sword, and to his bow, and to his girdle. Next, the terms of the covenant are made. The strengths and weaknesses of each party would be recognized. There would be an agreement on the promises, blessings, and curses. 
The terms of the covenant were documented and written down. It could be read at certain times in remembrance of the covenant being made. A copy was made for each party. The only way to get out of the covenant was by death. Next is the cutting of the covenant. This required the sacrifice of at least three large animals. The carcasses were split down the spine and the halves were placed on the ground opposite each other. The result is a trail of blood between the halves. Well, that's going to conclude part one of the series on the subject, The Blood Covenant. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.